As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Everybody, welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Tuesday, January 19th. I am Michael Beller. This is a Brandon Funston list podcast. Uh, apparently, the guy went on vacation. Didn't bother telling me or Jake this. We uh, found out <laughs> just a couple of minutes ago. So it's just me and Jake Seeley. Jake, you know what? Screw Funston. How you doing today, man? I'm excited, just the two of us. <laughs> Sounds good. You have Funston list. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to figure out what's going on. He's not responding. Oh, that's because uh, apparently Nando said he went to some Germantown thing in Washington. So, cool. like, yeah. He's living it up in the middle of January. Football season is still not over, Brandon. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> it sounds like he's uh, <laughs> drinking some beers and having some pretzels. Uh, yeah. And uh, enjoying, his, uh, enjoying his time away from you and me in the podcast world and the football world in a certain way. So we're going to plug right ahead without uh, Brandon Funston on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake, we're down to four teams Championship week is upon us. Packers and Buccaneers in the NFC, Chiefs and Bills in the AFC. We're going to talk plenty of fantasy football on this episode. We're going to take a look ahead to 2021 and think about some of the guys who were um, among the more interesting players in 2020 and how we are going to be feeling about them in 2021, how we anticipate treating them in drafts and auctions, what we're going to be watching for this summer, all that good stuff. But let's start with a uh, couple of games that are still ahead of us. We've got uh, these two uh, great championship games. I think uh, I think you could easily say three the three best teams all regular season are involved in the Chiefs, Bills, and Packers, and the Buccaneers. No one's surprised to see them alive at this stage of the game either. Uh, let's uh, kick this off the same way we did last week and uh, talk about this from a gambling perspective. Packers are right now three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, Over-under is 51 in the NFC Championship game. You got a lean on that one right now? <laughs> well, so first of all, I, you know, I had the Saints, so you know, maybe you don't want to listen to me on that one. Because, <laughs> you know, I told you, but when we did it, I said part of that was heart. You know, if I, I think I mentioned it during the podcast to you guys, or I did in the article, I don't remember. You could correct me if I'm if I did because you remember everything. But I said that if I was betting, I probably would lean the other direction. But if not a toss up, but my heart wanted them to go, the Saints to go all the mm-hmm. way. Um, mostly because of Drew Brees, and I hate to see him go out like that. But right now, there's something else, and, and I'll be like, hey, like I tweeted this out, but this is the one game. This is the only terrible game for Aaron Rodgers this year. It was the only game he didn't have a touchdown. It was also the only game he threw two interceptions was that 38-10 to 10 destruction. Uh, I don't think that we're going to see that Aaron Rodgers this week. Aaron Rodgers is just playing out of this world. Uh, a lot went wrong. I think what you again, you remember everything. Wasn't there like a hundred yards and penalties against them in that game too? Something ridiculous. It, so- it sounds familiar, and it was a game that just got off the rails immediately for the Packers. Right. So, and I say all that to say it was forty-eight points with the Packers playing terribly. So, I like the Packers. I think they're playing a lot better in the second half. You know this as much as anybody does. Is their run defense is still exploitable but played a lot better in the second half of the season, including some of the running backs that they faced. It wasn't just like a cupcake schedule or anything like that. So I am going to slightly take the Packers. I don't love it at three and a half. If you could get me at two and a half, like if one of those sites where you can buy it down, 
I would do that just because I feel like this could be a close game. But at this line, I'll be forced to take the Packers, and I am going to take the over. Especially if I'm taking the Packers, I'm going to take the over. If I take, if I was taking the Bucks, I would take the under. Does that make sense? That does make sense. I think there's a lot of um, uh, correlation between the way that those two games would go. If uh, if it is a Buccaneers win or a Buccaneers or a game that is played within a field goal, yeah, I think we could all see that being a game that's a little bit slower, where the Bucks are able to disrupt Aaron Rodgers the same way they did in the regular season meeting and live in the backfield. Um, and that's really page? the concern. No, I, well, I, yes, I am at the same page. I am. I think the Packers are winning the Super Bowl. So I think the Packers oh, really? win this game. I think that, yeah, I think they cover this spread. Uh, yeah, but we talked about, uh, when we talked about uh, our playoff picks uh, yeah, on our first episode, I was on Packers over Chiefs as my Super Bowl. So uh, uh, not that I'm exactly splitting the atom by predicting the two one seeds <laughs> to be in the Super Bowl. But uh, hey, still going to be uh, feeling good about that. That's the concern, though, right? The concern is that. The Bucks can get pressure uh, and that they disrupt Aaron Rodgers the same way they did in that regular season game. 160 yards, no touchdowns, and two picks, as you said. Uh, 160 yards on 35 attempts, 16 for 35. I mean, just the most uncharacteristic Aaron Rodgers game. It was really, like you said, the one true bad game that he had this season. But this is, a, I think, a very different offense since then. And uh, I saw an interesting note uh, last or uh, just a couple of days ago that in that game, the Buccaneers, uh, they sacked him, I want to say like four times in that game. It was something along those lines. I don't have that number right in front of me. But they got to him a lot. They they sacked him. Yeah, four times. There it is. Four sacks, uh, 42 three, sack yards. Three interceptions. Or two interceptions. Yeah, two interceptions. And they just killed him with the blitz. And since that game... Aaron Rodgers has not been sacked on a blitz at all. And we're talking a sample of 11 regular season games and then one playoff game. 12 games now in a row where Aaron Rodgers has not been sacked on a blitz. I think that this looks very different uh, for the Packers this week. I'm not saying that it's going to flip and it's going to be Packers 38-10. I think this is a fun <laughs> game, uh, a close game, a well-played game. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady getting together in the playoffs for the first time ever. Uh, but I do think that the Packers ultimately win this game and cover the three and a half. Uh, and I hear you on the two and a half, but I feel fine at the three and a half. I, I think I would rather, you know, get the normal minus 110 at three and a half. Then if you buy it down to two and a half, you're probably going to be looking at minus 120, minus 125. I feel okay about just laying the regular three and a half and keeping it at the normal 110 line. Yeah. And for your point, that was actually the only, so to go their entire season, the Packers have given up over two sack or two sacks over one sack three times, <laughs> three they gave up two to the Eagles, five to the Bucks, and five to the Panthers. Those are the only games they've even given up more than one sack. And that's part, of, like you said, it's not just their offensive line. Part of it is Aaron Rodgers. And that was why this is going to be like victory lap situation. And I know I preface that a lot, but this is why I was off of everybody saying, oh, play the cheap defense, play the Rams and everything like that. But it doesn't always make sense because Aaron Rodgers doesn't turn the ball over. Like he throws it away. Too much. So even in that game against the Buccaneers, it still was the only the second time the entire season a defense has scored double digit points against the Packers. Just don't see how you really slow down this Packers offense. And I mean, I think we could say something along the same lines for uh, the Buccaneers. But I mean, it, it, I guess uh, I, let me ask you this, Jake. Did you have like a sort of a schadenfreude moment when Jared Cook had that fumble? If Jared <laughs> Cook doesn't fumble that ball, I think we're talking about a Packers Saints uh, NFC Championship game. The Saints were up by a touchdown. It was four and a half minutes left in the third quarter. It would have been first and 10 for the Saints at about the Tampa 45. Uh, that game looks a whole lot different if Jared Cook doesn't fumble. I think I was surprised a lot more people weren't tweeting me when that happened because it was, <laughs> it was a terrific moment. I was like, this is why we hate Jared. Well, I hate Jared Cook. Uh, yeah, there's a lot in that game too that just went sideways for, you know, the breeze didn't look great. Um, well, I mean, we've known that for a while, but Michael Thomas obviously wasn't a hundred percent. Now he's having off season surgery. And I say that because if you watch that game too, he just wasn't even getting separation. I mean, that's yeah. part of the reason they had to go to Traquan Smith a couple times. And you know, it's just, it was bad. It was bad timing, bad matchup. They really weren't a hundred percent healthy on the real football side of things. I just wish, even if they would have lost, I just would have wished it had been a better version of Drew Brees losing. I just, sure. you, you hate to see him kind of go out on this. And this is why you understand sometimes, like when Calvin Johnson, if somebody wants to call it a career and call it a career at the time that he does, I think a lot of people going back would say, you kind of wish you didn't get the Washington Wizards version of Michael Jordan. Like, that's the thing. Right. He's like, you want to see these guys not go out when it's kind of like, hey, the door is slamming you in the face. Like, it, it would be better the other way. 
definitely prefer for them to get to have that moment of glory as they go out. So it would have been nice to see at least a better game for Breeze or him in the conference championship, him in the Super Bowl, whatever. But uh, uh, definitely a deserving move on for the Buccaneers and should be a fun NFC championship game. On the other side of the bracket, we've got the Chiefs laying a field goal against the Bills. Uh, 53 and a half is the over under. Obviously, uh, we are all expecting to see Patrick Mahomes out there for the Chiefs on Sunday. This line definitely assumes that Patrick Mahomes will be out there. I think we can say one thing for sure, Jake. You and I are recording this on Tuesday. Uh, this line is not going to be at three come Sunday. This is one is definitely going to move uh, when we get news on Mahomes. And uh, again, we have to believe it's going to be uh, that Patrick Mahomes is playing uh, on Sunday. But I feel confident that this at least gets up to three and a half or four once that Mahomes news officially comes in. How are you feeling about this one? Yeah, as of today. So this is one of the things, too. If you're a fast better, this is why you jump on and pay attention immediately, because I don't know if you saw it at well, but when the lines came out that night while the games were going on, and still the uh, Saints game, and the line initially came out was one and a half for the Bills because yeah. of the, I guess, I don't know if it was the Patrick Mahomes situation or whatever you wanted to put on it, but the initial line was one and a half for the Bills, and it immediately started moving in the other direction and moved so fast, and now we're already all the way to, as you mentioned, three for these uh, the Chiefs. So I will say it still doesn't really change it for me because the way that I see it was you bet the Chiefs at the time, and then if it moves all the way up to six or seven, then you come back with the Bills. Like, smart mm-hmm. betting. I think a lot of people right, out there right. understand what I'm saying. Right Open now, I still— yeah, right now I still think you can do it. It's just not obviously as good as even a toss-up. I think you still bet the Chiefs right now at minus three to cover. And, you know, if Mahomes comes, as you said, is we get the actual guaranteed he's starting information, I think this climbs up to four or five. And then maybe that's when you say, eh, I didn't feel that great about five. So now you bring it back and put some bets on the Bills. And you kind of, people know, again, people know exactly what I'm talking about. So Chiefs at three, I'll say that. And... This is honestly the Bills or the Chiefs. I hate to go over in both games, but 53 and a half for the way that these teams are playing right now. To go back to the Josh Allen situation, it wasn't a great game the first time when he played the Chiefs. Uh, it actually was a very poor passing performance, but it's 26-17, so that's a clear under. I just think we're, again, that was week six. This is similar to the other game. This is a completely different version of the Bills at this point. I'll say it hits the under if it's Noah Mahomes. It hits the over if Mahomes. I think that's really kind of easy for me. Again, I hate taking both overs. Very different version of the Bills. They had some injuries going on then that aren't present uh, in this game. They also that was when they were right in the middle of their uh, their scheduling being changed because of the Titans COVID yeah. situation that happened in October. So the Bills were having their schedule all moved around, and so they had to deal with that for a couple of weeks, and then they get thrown the Chiefs at them. So a very different situation, I think, for the Bills in this one. And this window is going to be open. I mean, the, the where most places where you're seeing it at minus three is actually um, even meaning not minus 110, you're getting a minus 105 or even a plus 100 to take the Chiefs minus three. Uh, and so uh, and that also means in plenty of other places, you're seeing the Bills uh, sitting at plus two and a half. Um, so you can definitely, there could definitely be a window here where you can still catch the Bills uh, at plus two and a half or catch the Chiefs at minus two and a half and then let this get built up to maybe Chiefs minus four and a half and try to find that window where you're playing both sides I of this s- and then hoping for a field goal game. I will say this too. I'm watching the weather. And mm-hmm. you, the weather comes into play when it's this. It's a, right now. It's a chance of mix in the 30s. If that holds, and 53 and a half stays, I'm hitting the under. Then, like I'm not. Yeah. I'm only taking. 50, I'm only taking the over <laughs> if Mahomes plays. But also the weather stays clear. Like I'm not taking the over in a frozen mix uh, situation in the 30s. And for what it's worth, uh, all three of the uh, games that these teams have played in the playoffs, Bills with their wins over the Colts and Ravens, and then Chiefs with their win over the Browns, those have all been games that hit the under. Uh, the Bills-Colts game just came under uh, with the total of 51. Believe that under that over-under was right at 51.5 or 52, so that was just under. And then both of these teams last week played games that went comfortably under the total. Maybe that doesn't happen in Chiefs-Browns if Patrick Mahomes doesn't suffer the concussion, but still... Something worth thinking about. And then I think we're on the same page here. You think we're looking at a Packers Chiefs Super Bowl? Yeah. Like you said, it's nothing. I tell you what, I think the the more likely upset is the Bills at this point. Whether or not. Oh, even I if, think that without question. Yeah, without e- question. Even if the Bills, or even if the Bills, even if Mahomes plays, I still think the yeah. Bills are more 
more set up to beat the Chiefs than the Buccaneers are to beat the Packers. I know there's reports today that Antonio Brown supposedly will be fine and play, but still, even if he is, you look at Jerry Alexander's strength being able to look, look, Marshawn Lattimore did his job. It was one catch for three yards for, for the touchdown mm-hmm. for Mike Evans. I think Alexander can do his job in limiting somebody, probably Mike Evans again, but if it's Mike Evans and it's going to come down to Godwin and even if he's out there and probably not a hundred percent Antonio Brown and Tom Brady and Gronk just aren't connecting, no matter how many times he tries to go back to him. I honestly he should have had one of those touchdowns like from, that like he should have made that catch, but just because he keeps going to him in the red zone. So you could argue that the Buccaneers could play well. I just think, I think you have to go back to the first game. I think you would have to put on Aaron Rodgers going sideways for the Buccaneers yeah. didn't able to win. And I just don't see Rodgers doing that right now. I don't even know if we would technically, I mean, technically the bills winning is an upset, but it's not an upset in the way that we talk about upsets, the way that we really use that word. It doesn't fully define the spirit of that word. I think these are, you know, two even teams uh, that are coming into the AFC championship game. Do you want the Packers or would you want to, I kind of want to see, I kind of want to see Tom Brady versus the Bills. I don't know why. I mean, Tom Brady versus the Bills would be a super fun storyline. Um, I, I guess uh, any of my fellow Bears fans listening to this, plug years for a second. I kind of want to see Aaron Rodgers get in another Super Bowl. I just want, like, <laughs> I think he's the most purely talent, like the best performer of the arts of quarterbacking that I've ever seen in my life is Aaron Rodgers. And I would hate for this to uh, end, for his legacy to end up being blah, 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 but only one Super Bowl. So I would love to see him not only get to another Super Bowl, but get another Super Bowl ring. I mean, so much see, of that. That's why I right? want Drew Brees. It's not, it's not, yeah, exactly. It's not Aaron Rodgers' fault that Brandon Bostic thought he should recover an onside kick and not Jordy, uh, Jordy Nelson, who was just sitting there waiting for it to fall <laughs> into his arms, right? It's not Aaron Rodgers' fault that the defense gave up 51 points in that 51-45 loss to the Cardinals a couple of years ago, right? I mean, there's so much that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have control of, but when people look back on the history of his career, if they only see one Super Bowl, that's going to be counted again. Against him, so I would like to see him get another Super Bowl. And I know all of them. I'm like now a Bears fan apostate, but uh, I just can't <laughs> help it. I, I really want to see this guy get another ring. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, and with my uh, love for Aaron Rodgers now fully professed, we can look ahead to 2021. Before we do that, Jake, uh, this is fun. I just got a, a text from Funston that just says, oops. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> was it spelled correctly? Because he's out there it was. German German drinking. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, hopefully not. I mean, you know, right? If he, it's, it's, it's 9 a.m. where he is right now. So hopefully he's at least getting a, like a coffee and a Well, he could have still been feeling it from he, last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He did spell oops correctly, so uh, we'll give you a pass on this one, Funston. Um, All right, 2021, Jake. I want to talk about uh, the guys who at least I define as going to be fun, interesting players to be thinking about in the 2021 season. We'll go position by position here. I want to start at running back in... Man, all these second-year running backs, it's just like one after another after another. And we knew this was going to be a very talented rookie class. It took a while for things to get going, but then it got going. You look at Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, James Robinson got going right away, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, and then the guy who was a first-round pick who really didn't get going in all the season, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We've got a lot of second-round running backs who are going to push way up in the fantasy draft world. Who would I forget? Dobbins. Oh my God, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, totally left him. I mean, this is ridiculous. We're going to have all these second-year running backs who are going to be just very high draft picks next season. Which of these guys do we think right off the bat, sitting here months and months and months in advance of actually sitting down to draft 2021 20, teams, is going to warrant first-round attention? 
Uh, so here, I put it in there for you to remind us about J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> I will say Taylor definitively, James Robinson definitively. Uh, you know, when we did the mock draft, I took Robinson at one twelve just so I could put his name in the first round, and then I took Taylor yep. right after that. We yep. also did that in the middle of December. I don't right. think Taylor makes it there at this point with the way that he finished out the season. So those two definitively, in my opinion. After that. It becomes interesting. I, I don't think Antonio Gibson's going to get there. I don't think Swift's going to get there, mostly because he has a lot of questions of, can, like some people out there, I do think he could be a bell cow in the sense of the lead option always in the 17 to 20 touch range. Like I don't think he's going to be the Jonathan Taylor workload, the James Robinson workload, but I think he can do enough. But you have that, you have new coaching concerns, so that's going to be there. Cam Akers, Sean McVay concerns, and then J.K. Dobbins, now – it's interesting because last year before the, actually, you know, in dynasty, I was saying if anybody's going to hit the top 10 running backs, I think he has a great chance because Mark Ingram is going to be gone and we officially mm-hmm. got that news. So I think JK Dobbins deserves, I would say Taylor Dobbins and James Robinson all deserve it, but I don't think Dobbins gets there uh, in drafts, but I think he deserves it, honestly, in my, my opinion. And it, uh, just because of the pure talent, the team that he's on, and yes, Gus Edwards keeps taking touches away. But even when Gus Edwards taking touches away, when there was no Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins was an RB1. So, you know, I'm going to take Dobbins. I'm going to say those are the three for me. But I think a lot of people will disagree and say not Dobbins. I mean, Dobbins might get pushed by some of the wide receivers, Travis Kelsey being involved, right? I mean, because we're still looking at uh, the top of the position being Christian McCaffrey, back fully healthy. Saquon's going to be up there. Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry. Right? I mean, you're still looking at all these guys before we get to that group of running backs, and then Devontae Adams mixes in, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, maybe Stephon Diggs. We'll talk about wide receivers in a little bit, but I think that's really more where it comes in. I don't think it's necessarily – right. it's like J.K. Dobbins could be viewed as a top 10, 11 running back and still not making it at the first round. Right, and I think you could say the same – then the one I completely left out is just because who the hell knows right now what it's going to be like, but Edwards Alaire, uh, you know, one right now is we don't even know if he's playing this week for this season, but right. do do the Chiefs next year say, all right, we we know Le'Veon Bell is not coming back because Daryl Williams is getting the the usage over him, but do they go into next season and say it's Edwards Alaire, Daryl Williams, Darwin Thompson? Is that it? Then, okay, but wait, Damian Williams is coming back. Does he get – cut maybe because mm-hmm. they don't like how he looks after a year off it's certainly a possibility do they draft somebody do they bring somebody in marlon mack is a free agent which is why i love jonathan taylor of course and i know you do as well but the excitement that we had for no marlon mack is going to continue into next year because he's probably right. not going to be back on this team but do they bring somebody like that in and I, you know Can if you, you talk yeah, I, that's the thing, too, is i think people have short-term memories because edwards alaire before they added levy on bell was an RB1. And he was fringe RB1, but he was an RB1. It, like People mm-hmm. want to complain about what happened, and I understand it because you. I don't think any of us were on it, but when he started getting drafted in the middle of the first round and it started going crazy, I think that's why people are so ticked off about it. Right. But you could say Edwards Alaire deserves to be an RB1 next year, depending on circumstances, but he wouldn't be a first-rounder still, so... I think I agree with you. I think, it, what is it, Taylor Robinson, that's it, and then maybe a case for Dobbins, but he doesn't make it there. Mm-hmm. Do any of these guys make it out of the second round, or you think we're talking about all of these guys being off the board in the first 24 picks of usual drafts? I think, if I'm looking at any of these, I think Edwards Alaire could be out of the second round. I think he could be in the third, depending on, again, everything we just laid out. or you know that That's a situation I could easily see Edwards Alaire getting put, because you're going to have... You remember our mock draft. You're going to have a lot more wide receivers starting to populate the second round. Mm-hmm. You're going to have Kittle in the second round. So there's enough there where Edwards Alaire is going to make it to the third. Gibson, there's a lot of questions of what that team's going to look like next year. Right, and right, I think that right. he's going to be, I'd say he's a third rounder. So I think as of today, I would say Taylor Robinson definitively first. Dobbins fringe. So he's second. We'll call him second. Akers Swift second. And then Edwards Alaire. Gibson third, but you know, honestly, I could see Swift falling to the third too, depending on what they do. What if they, what if they bring in Marlon Mack or something like that because of the new coaching situation? Yeah, it's definitely possible. And we're going to have a episode in a couple of weeks here after the Super Bowl uh, where we look at uh, the, the free agent class and man, there are some 
big-name free agents on the offensive side of the ball this year, especially in the wide receiver group, but there's a fair amount of running backs too, and so we could see the situation changing for some of these guys, and we'll tackle that uh, about a month from now after the Super Bowl. But uh, for the time being, that's uh, how we're looking at the second-year running backs. I also think, Jake, and actually I guess you think this, and you put it in the, the show sheet, and it's a good question to bring up, that maybe this changes the way we look at the rookie class of 2021. It's another strong class. It's another class that's going to give us plenty of guys who are very attractive in fantasy leagues with varying uh, degrees of that, depending on the situations in which they land. But we saw this, right? I mean, no matter how good these guys close the season, and Jonathan Taylor closed the season unbelievably. DeAndre Swift, he did deal with some injuries, but when he was out there, he really showed off everything he could do. Same goes for Cam Akers, same goes for J.K. Dobbins. We had Antonio Gibson and James Robinson as year-long impact guys. But it was still a slog for some of these guys from a fantasy perspective. Does that change the way we grade 2021 rookies, just with the reality of how coaching staffs seem to be addressing the position or allowing their rookies to play or not play early on in seasons? No, I think we should look at it as we were going into this year. So yes and no. <laughs> Here's why. So look at it, we're going into this year from the example from the year before, saying like this could be this year's Miles Sanders. And I think a lot of us were saying Jonathan Taylor could be this year's, J.K. Mackers, Dodger Swift, all these guys could be this year's Miles Sanders. James Robinson's a different situation, you know, with the injury and the change of Leonard Fournette getting out of there, and then James Robinson. He's one that you don't see that happen, but that's why you the, the landing spot and the opportunity matters so much. Like, we can sit here and say Najee Harris and the Steelers would be a first-round pick, and mm-hmm. yes, that probably is warranted because he would be the guy if they draft Najee Harris, if they draft, heck, anybody, honestly, I'm trying to think, like they draft Michael Carter from UNC, and that's their guy. It's going to be Michael Carter should be in the first round conversation because of the opportunity. If everybody wants to say the Dolphins too, but we have to look at what happened with Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin, and yes, I'm a Miles Gaskin guy, but I think a lot of people out there admittedly saw what Gaskin could do. If Najee Harris goes to the Dolphins, we could sit here and say he should be the guy, but what if it's like Jonathan Taylor? What if it's Miles Gaskin gets run at the beginning of the season? And on the other reason, I, I think you'll agree with me here, is why I said yes and no, is because if we get back to normal and we have some preseason games, I think mm-hmm. you say they could be Miles Sanders and take over by week six, seven, eight. If we have the same offseason we just did with no OTAs and all of a sudden these things are getting moved, camps are limited, there's no preseason, then you say we might be looking at 2020 all over again, and now these running backs don't show up to weeks 9, 10, 11. Right. Right, yeah, I think that's uh, definitely a good point and why we're going to have to, I mean, even more so, right, these these discussions that we have in January or February looking ahead to the next season are always written in the faintest of pencil, but even more so this year because we're still not exactly sure what this offseason is going to look like for the incoming We have no combine. I don't get to go to Indianapolis this year. Yeah, man, it stinks. That really stinks, but yeah, I mean, that could just be the first domino in a series that might ultimately fall the same way that all of them did in 2020. Uh, let's stick at the running back position for a second here. Let's. Uh, what are you doing with Ezekiel Elliott? Is he right back up there? Is he right back in the top five? I mean, I know you're taking McCaffrey over him. You're taking Kamara over him. You're taking Cook over him. And uh, just one more kudos to you. You were on Cook over Zeke already last season, but like, does he get right back into the top five, six picks, or is that going to be different for him this year? I think it's going to be different. I think he's going to fall into that second group. And if so, I'll probably have a decent share of Ezekiel Elliott. Just look at this year. Before Dak got hurt, <laughs> to the first five weeks, and granted, he never topped 100 rushing yards in those first five weeks, but he got 90 a couple times. Uh, he actually, two of those games, he didn't even get 15 carries, and but he was scoring. He was averaging over four yards per carry, but a good chunk was getting a lot of use in the receiving game, which is where the value comes from. And this is what I go, first five weeks, 26, 21, 15, 16, 23. That's what Dak Prescott back. We assume the Cowboys are not going to be stupid and just saw what happens when you don't have Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's back. No, Zeke's not going to go right back to being top four or top five because he also, at times, didn't look like the old Zeke. And you talk about the workload getting up there. The age is starting to creep up just a little bit. But 
he just still deserves to be in that next conversation. We start talking about the Nick Chubbs and depending on where Aaron Jones lands. And now obviously Jonathan Taylor pushed himself to this conversation and that type of stuff. So I would put him in the second group. And in the second group, I think he has more upside than a couple of those names there. Like, yeah, he has more upside than Nick Chubb because he's going to get more use in the passing game. So mm-hmm. I think that's where he deserves to be. I mean, it's a point well taken, and you you rattled off the uh, the fantasy points that he put up in those games. Uh, he averaged 107.4 yards from scrimmage in those five games. He had six touchdowns in those five games and 24 catches in those five games. So, you know, even I was selling Zeke as, in a big way over the second half of the season. I, I was out there saying maybe we should be talking about him as the biggest value bust considering where you had to take him, but... Let's remember what this guy did when Dak Prescott was on the field for the Cowboys and just how explosive this offense was when Dak Prescott was healthy. If Dak Prescott yeah. is back in Dallas next year, which I think there's good reason to believe he will be, should bet on Zeke making a big bounce back in 2021. Um, you know, who ended the year uh, in a place where we would have expected to see Ezekiel Elliott in a full Dak Prescott season was David Montgomery, the number four running back in half PPR leagues, something we did not expect, I don't think. Is there a case to be made for someone to be the 2021 version of, Dar- of David Montgomery? And by that, I mean someone who, you know, is a fourth, fifth round pick, a veteran-ish running back who we think we know, but ultimately ends up playing like an RB1? <laughs> uh, can, can you give me the schedules now? Because that's really what it comes <laughs> down to. You know this, and people will disagree, and that's fine. You know, you know we're not going to be 100% correct about everything, but when we were arguing about, you know, not arguing, but debating and saying, hey, look ahead and get your Ravens, get your Bears, and all Bears, and that's what we're saying, like Mitch Trubisky could even get you some value, is the schedule, and I'm not the biggest David Montgomery fan. I think he's an above-average running back. I don't think he's a top-10 running back, and you'll never sell me on that. I think a lot of it had to do with you put, I'm trying to think, like you put Antonio Gibson facing that schedule, and he's going to Mm -hmm. be top-10, top-5. You put... You know, Kareem Hunt on another team where he doesn't split the backfield, he's going to be top 10, top five. Miles Sanders, top 10, top five. You could do a lot of names that facing that schedule get a boost. So next year, I, you know, I jokingly say, can you give me a schedule? Maybe I'll give you the only one, and I'm not the biggest fan, but if the Buccaneers don't draft somebody and it's Ronald Jones, because let, uh, look, is Leonard Fournette back on that team next year? Question mark. I don't know if he is. Maybe that yeah, changes it. And if he is, forget it. Throw it out the window. But maybe it's Ronald Jones. if, And that's only because you're talking about that kind of conversation. Or maybe it's Miles Sanders with a new coaching staff and he's not sharing as much. So I would put those two names, but a lot of it depends on scenario. And then, of course, I, you got to give me a schedule not that good, but close to it. Can I get, I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see you're asking me to do this running back and all of a sudden down the stretch, they're facing the Saints run defense, the Bucks run defense and stuff like like twice or stuff like that. Right, right. But I'm just saying like someone who, I mean, you know what, no matter when David Montgomery did it, he was still the RB four. Right. So I'm just saying someone who could like surprise us over the balance. I would, say, I would saying, say Miles Sanders is probably the best case. Isn't he not? I would, where do you think he ends up going in drafts next year? I think it's going to depend a lot on what the, the opinions and outlook are for this team. Is Carson Wentz back at quarterback? We assume because it's the way they because there's so much dead money. Everybody's talking about trading him. Like, <laughs> do you realize he's going to take up like a fourth of the cap even trading him? So, I think Wentz is back. Uh, interested to see if they bring in um, what's his name, the one from the Colts that they're inter- interviewing, Nick Sirianni. So, if that's the case, I I think that Miles Sanders will be second round. Uh, you know, you're going to get some excuses, you know, miss some time and stuff like that. And then everything just went haywire this year. I think with Jalen Rager and the passing game taking a, a bounce back, I was going to say a step forward, but it, we would call it a bounce back. I think you'll get enough where Miles Sanders is kind of in that 11 to 17, 18 range in drafts. Mm-hmm. And that's I, actually, you know what? I'm going to say that. Forget the Ronald Jones thing. That's my pick. Miles Sanders. I think Miles Sanders like could be next year's David Montgomery. I like it. And just for the record, Leonard Fournette, the Bucks are not on the hook for anything with him in 2021. So this could be a situation where Ronald Jones is not only the leader of the backfield, but the unquestioned clear leader of the backfield. All right, Jake, let's uh, let's hit on the quarterback position. Let's move over there. I think this is going to be a fun one because I think we are going to see a sweeping change in how people attack this position after what we saw in the 2020 season. It was not new that the likes of Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, guys who can also run the ball a little bit. Lamar Jackson dominated the top of the rankings. You throw Aaron Rodgers in there as well as one of the more traditional old guard guys. That was not new, but it felt like 
the exclamation point. It felt almost like it was the final nail in the coffin of just waiting on the quarterback position no matter what, and it's interchangeable and blah, 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 and you can stream and yada, yada, all that stuff. It feels like maybe 2020 signaled a sea change at how we are going to attack this position. So I'm just going to read you the QB1 class by points per game uh, in just standard Four points for a passing touchdown, 25 yards for a point, 10 rushing yards for a point, six uh, points for a rushing touchdown. This is what your QB1 point per game group looked like this season. Point per game is important because it lets us include number one, Dak Prescott. Yeah, Josh Allen second, Kyler was third, Patrick Mahomes fourth, Rogers fifth, Russell Wilson sixth, Deshaun Watson seven, Lamar was eighth, Justin Herbert nine, Tom Brady 10, Ryan Tannehill 11. Kirk Cousins, 12. Guys who just missed out on this cut, Gardner Minshew, Matt Ryan, Joe Burrow, Ben Roethlisberger, Derek Carr, Drew Brees was just on this, and maybe we're not going to see him next year. Obviously, we've got Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields joining the fold in 2021. When you look at the top of the quarterback class, I guess my first question to you is, how do you rank him, and where do you separate him? I mean, Patrick Mahomes is number one, right? But like, who comes in after him, and where do you think there is a break? Where is there a tier end for one, and we're sliding down to what looks like an obvious break from one to two? Well, so uh, I'm not going to tell you definitively it'll be number two. Everybody will have to tune in to next week's show. And there you go. Then yeah. On Monday, <laughs> they're going to have my way too early rankings because we're doing this way too early. Really what it comes down to is I honestly think that, you know, it's going to be a top tier for me. And I don't know even that you could make a case for other people than Mahomes. I think Mahomes, number one, is because he gives you the upside with the floor. But you can make a case. You just mentioned it. Who is number one in points per game? Dak Prescott. If their defense is still terrible and Dak Prescott plays anything like he did this year, it would it be a shock if Dak Prescott scores more than Patrick Mahomes on a points per game? Again, I think it's because the floor is lower, but Mahomes, Dak, Collar's first 10 games, we talked about on the Ward show, Outrageous. were yeah. otherworldly. Uh, so Josh Allen has now put himself into this conversation as the number two quarterback this year. I don't think Rod, I don't think a lot of people put Rodgers there in a bounce back because this is his bounce back and he still finished fifth. So I think you could say Lamar Jackson's bounce back potentially could get himself back to the conversation. When you're going to be running for 800-plus yards and touchdowns, you're going to be in the conversation. So I think it's going to be more of a tier for me. And that's where the drop-off really comes. I think it's Dak, Allen, Kyler, uh, Lamar. I would still I would be willing to gamble on Lamar. And then Mahomes, obviously. I, I was kind of listing the guys with Mahomes. Uh, sure, sure. I think the the one other one would be what happens with Deshaun Watson. If mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson gets off the Texans, depending on where he lands, or even if he's back with Texans and with Will Fuller back, I think you can make a case for Deshaun Watson. But I feel like he would be at the end of that tier either way. I think that's fair. It, I, I, you know, if if he does end up in Houston, if he does stay with Houston, it would be nice to see Will Fuller also stay in Houston and see them hire Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, I think that could end up being a fun enough offense. Maybe something along the lines of what we were seeing from Dak Prescott, where it's still a bad team with a bad defense, but a, an explosive offense. And you know, he doesn't have a back like Ezekiel Elliott behind him, but we could see that same sort of explosivity in Houston next year that we saw in Dallas this year before Dak went down with the season-ending injury. Uh, it's one good. It's one thing to, to rank these guys and to think of them, but, I mean, are you on the same page as me in terms of maybe getting a little bit more aggressive at the quarterback position next year? And if you are, how does that manifest itself? Like, which, what, which of these guys would you be willing to go after at expected ADP or what we think we know about what their expected ADP is going to be just using previous trends? So I'm going to say no. Uh, it's going to be the same way I treated this year is talk to me in the sixth, seventh round because the sixth, seventh round. Now that isn't for everybody because you know, the more casual leagues, you're going to see quarterbacks going in the second round. And yep. you know that, that by the sixth, seventh round, you might have people already – the entire league might have quarterbacks. You might have some crazy people even starting to draft the second quarterback. <laughs> I've seen it. You know, I get people texting me this past year asking, like, yo, I already have Kyler Murray. Should I take Watson still on the board? I'm like, no, stop. But th- I say that because for the more experienced leagues, uh, and I'm not even talking about, like, quote-unquote expert leagues, but just more experienced, sixth, seventh round this past year is still where you were getting – 
other people like uh, actually Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers probably was going what was it, seventh eighth round this past year. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, even later. Yeah. So Watson and Russell Wilson were both in the fifth sixth range. You know, nobody was taking Tom Brady at that point. And I bring up these names to say Brady, Tannehill, Rodgers, all top eight. Tannehill is a great one. And I say so. I'm going to do it in the fact that I want to because there's a big drop off. If you look at you just mentioned, if you look at points per game. There's almost like a three-point drop-off when you get from these names down down to the Ryans, the Kirk Cousins, the Roethlisbergers of the world. So I still think you do want to. Like maybe that shifts your focus instead of just sitting out there and saying, I'm not drafting quarterbacks until the 10th round. That changes your focus a little bit. But, you know, Justin Herbert's in this conversation. He's in that 21, 22 points per game range. So you're going to find somebody, but you also, you have to remember, there's other people going to be trying to chase him as well. So I want... My quarterback by sixth, seventh round. And, you know, if I'm in the fifth and somebody like Nana Watson falls, you know, I might think about it. It depends on what's going on. But don't you feel like that's still kind of the smarter ways? You know, you're going to you're not going to get Mahomes. You're not going to get Josh Allen at this point. But that drop off to the Watsons of the world isn't as egregious than if you just wait all the way till the 10th or 11th round. And now you're picking from the golfs and Mayfields of the world. Right. I totally agree with you. I mean, if that if that there is a sweet spot next year, and it is going to be that second group of guys, especially if it does include people like Rodgers again, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. If that's the group you're picking from in the early middle rounds, uh, five, six, seven, I feel very good about that. And there is a huge drop off to the next group. And I'm and putting Trevor really Lawrence what, in there. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask you that, but let me just uh, what really uh, illustrates this is Tom Brady, the season that Tom Brady had. I mean, the guy was. You know, top five in yards and touchdowns, and you know as recently as five years ago, that would have you would you knew that if you knew that if I told you Tom Brady was top five in passing yards and passing touchdowns, you would have said he's a top three fantasy quarterback. And here we are looking at him as tenth in points per game <laughs> because he doesn't offer you anything on the ground, and that's right. just uh, the perfect illustration of the way that the fantasy game has changed, and really the real life game, but certainly the fantasy game has changed at the quarterback position. You are putting Trevor Lawrence in that group, and we have to assume that he's going to be. In Jacksonville with Urban Meyer, James Robinson, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault. It sounds like it's a fun offense that's getting built there in Jacksonville. You put him into that group with Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, that group of quarterbacks next year? Yeah, at the back end, but I I took him at 10th in that way too early mock draft that we did as QB 10 because, oh, yeah, that Justin Herbert guy just finished as QB 10, missing Mm -hmm. the first game of the season while Tyler Taylor was still at quarterback. And not being the prospect we believe Trevor Lawrence is, who will run some too, just like Justin Herbert did. So that's what your real appeal is. You know, he's going to run terrible defense. There's not going to change in one draft. Uh, that's that's going to be a fact. You Chenault, I mean, even keep going down the list of you could throw in the ancillary pieces. Maybe Colin Johnson takes a step forward. Maybe they also address the tight end position. But it's going to be a hell of fun offense. It's going to be a terrible defense. It's going to be a hell of fun quarterback. And that's really what it comes down to. If Trevor Lawrence doesn't hit, like it's not for everybody out there and hearing this stuff like I uh, get tired of like elite prospect or generational or he's the best since this, this with him. It's not hyperbole. If he fails. It's because of the Jaguars, not because of Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> best since Andrew Luck, probably. And that's what it was. Yeah, the best since Andrew Luck. Some people will say even the best since Peyton Manning and stuff like you know. I think Andrew Luck's actually even the better comparison because Andrew Luck did run more than Peyton Manning mm-hmm. and will run. And that's why I said you know you're you're looking at three four hundred yards potentially, and depending on how much he wants to, and he might not need to in that offense. But yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence. If you told me right now, I mean, look at Justin Herbert, forty three hundred yards and right. thirty one touchdowns. I think that's more than doable for for Trevor Lawrence. And he's going to be the unquestioned, no doubt about it, starter for Jacksonville in week one. So that'll uh, be good. And he might actually have a summer's worth of preparation and OTAs and minicamps and preseason games to get under his belt before he gets suited up. And I think we can safely say, even if he doesn't have that, he's probably not going to get thrown into his first career start like half an hour before kickoff because <laughs> the team doctor, doctor punctured a different player's lung with a, with a needle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we can at least say that for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, let's talk about some pass catchers before we wrap things up here. How early does Devontae Adams go? How early does Devontae Adams deserve to go in 2021 drafts? Mm, he'll go with the collection of the first couple running backs. Uh, you, whether or not you know you're on the Christian McCaffrey, you should be the first pick again because let's throw out the injury and you have Which some we people, both are. Yeah, 
So Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook deserves to be there. You're going to get now, right after that, I think that's where you start having the conversation because there's going to be, it's way too early to know what the Saints are doing with the mm-hmm. quarterback situation. If it's Hill, if it's Winston, if it's completely somebody else, you can make the case for Derrick Henry, but in half and full point PBR, you're going to get the pushback. You like how little he receives, but you know, 2,000 yards and 17 rushing touchdowns if you want. But my point being is, I think you're going to get Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and then a conversation. And you're going to get people yeah. who are willing to take him at number three because of what you get. And that's what my point is. It's like you could say Saquon Barkley should still be there if he's 100%, but now two years in a row he's been hurt. You can say, let's throw him out. Alvin Kamara, you can throw him out. Derek Henry. And so that's where it comes down to. I wouldn't take him until after those guys. Like, I would still take Kamara. I would still take Barkley. I would still take uh, Derek Henry. But after those five, that's when I would think about it. I'd still be hesitant just because you saw it. Everybody saw it. Look at the running backs you were chasing at the end of the season trying to put your team together. Yep. Yes. So <laughs> I think that with Adams, I mean, how many years does a, a wide receiver repeat? And I think people throw that argument out too. But if I could take Tyreek Hill a little bit later. I could take Michael Thomas on a bounce back, depending on what the quarterback situation is, health looks like. I mean, DK Metcalf's going to be in that conversation. Calvin Lilly, Stephen Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Justin Jefferson in his second season. There's a lot of wide right. receivers in the second round because that's the bigger thing I look at too, Mike, is at number five, number four, you have a long wait to your second pick. If you're telling mm-hmm. me Devontae Adams at eight or nine, I'll probably tick him off the board every single time because now I have a quicker turnaround to get a running back in round two. Right, right. I'm totally with you. We're on the same page there. Is Devontae Adams a tier of one? Is there any argument where you could make for Tyreek Hill as the wide receiver one next year or for Stephon Dix with what we saw him do in his first year in Buffalo? Or is it just obviously Devontae Adams? I think it's obvious Devontae Adams also because look at the points per game. 2.6 more than Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill had a great season like Tyreek Hill does. And then you want to talk about Stephon Diggs? He's amazing. How about five fewer points per game? (laughs) That's that's enormous. So, yeah, I think Devontae Adams is on a tier of his own. But let's remember, everybody was making the case that Michael Thomas was on a tier of his own this year. And, again, injuries and a lot went wrong for that situation. I'm just saying, where he could be on a tier of his own, I don't think you need to put him on a tier. Does that make sense? (laughs) I think think that makes sense. I definitely think that makes sense. Where he deserves Um, to be, but at the same time, I wouldn't. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, but that's also got something to do with the fact that you would take all those running backs first. And so even if Devontae, I guess the better way of phrasing it is that you're not putting Devontae in a tier of his own, but he's obviously the number one receiver for you. Yes. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I think that's what we're getting at here. The next group of guys, um, does it include anyone outside of the following? Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs, Calvin Ridley, Hopkins, DK, maybe Michael Thomas. Is that the next group of guys? Yeah, I'd say maybe Michael Thomas. I think... Justin Jefferson in there? I think Justin Jefferson deserves to be there. I, that was one of the names I mentioned, and I was looking at this list, as I said. I said, did I just mention all these guys? And I think I did, <laughs> except for – I think Jefferson should, should be in this conversation for sure. I think A.J. Brown can make a case to be in this conversation. Still, like 11 games, almost 15 points per – actually, if you put him in points per game, he's number five. He's got the two missed games, and he was number five, mm-hmm. and he played through an injury in some of those games. I think A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, I would put in this conversation. And if Allen Robinson was on a different team, but I, I don't get this. I know we're not doing the free agency show right now, Mike, but this is your team also. Like People out there, shut the hell up. The Bears are not going to let Allen Robinson leave. They will franchise his ass and keep him in Chicago because their receivers after him are doo-doo and I like Mooney yes and I like Anthony Miller but there's no way on earth the Bears are going to look at this and say you know what yeah we'll replace Allen Robinson <laughs> get the hell out of here you also have to understand that you have a GM and Ryan Pace and a head coach in Matt Nagy that people already wanted out of town the team retained both of these guys over the vehement objections of the entire fan base Everyone, including these guys, including the uh, higher-ups in the front office, everyone knows this. This is no secret. And you think the first action they're going to do in the offseason is let Allen Robinson walk away? (laughs) There's no way that that happens. Mike, I saw one that was saying the number one free agent the Giants should sign is Allen Robinson. So (laughs) not only... Whoever wrote this does not pay attention. Like, again, let's even just throw out everything we just said and say the Bears are stupid. 
the Giants are pressed up against the cap, and cap doesn't matter because I've I've made. The, I know everybody's like Jake. You always say this. The cap doesn't matter. Cap can be manipulated because it ca- uh-huh. matters cash flow. That's why you see for years on end the Jaguars and the Browns have so much cap room because they don't have the cash flow on the other side. Every single year, somehow the Cowboys and Washington are you know, $30 million over the cap. Like, how does this make sense? Because you can manipulate it. At the same time, it does matter when you pushed up against it and you have other free agents to sign. The Giants are not going after Allen Robinson and the Bears are not letting him walk. There's just, there's no way. There's no way that these guys who know that they are coaching and GMing for their jobs are just going to let the only worthwhile player in the offense just walk away. It's just, there's no way that that's happening. I would love to see it. I would, for Allen Robinson's sake, and again, I guess I'm becoming a Bears fan apostate, but I would love to see for Allen Robinson's sake for him to get to play with an actual good quarterback. Right. For but that's why it doesn't make life. this tier, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. But it's still remarkable. I mean, again, another season where he had to just suffer through this terrible quarterback play. I have a question a for you. One. Yeah, what's up? We didn't mention two. Keenan Allen and Chris Godwin. Well, Keenan Allen was the next guy who I was going to ask you about. No, so, okay, there you well, go. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, you, you look at what he did with um, – with with Justin Herbert, once uh, once Herbert was clearly the guy, and the volume that was thrown his way was just immense. And you have to imagine that's going to be the case again this season. And what's interesting with Keenan Allen for me, right, Jake, is that we've we've known Keenan Allen for a long time now. We know exactly the sort of player he is, and he's not going to make those big plays down the field. He is a guy who's going to have to live on volume, but he's going to get that volume from Justin Herbert. And there's no reason to think that things are going to be anything but better for Justin Herbert in his second year in the NFL. And I think we can even build in a little bit of a higher expectation of a jump for him because of what we've talked about here. The, the fact that he didn't have a normal rookie summer. And so now he's going to get his first, we hope fingers crossed for not just football, but for the entire world, his first normal summer of being an NFL player. I mean, there's, I think still a lot to unlock in him. And the more they unlock in Justin Herbert, the better Keenan Allen's going to be. I think that, I don't know if I would put him quite in that group of guys. We talked about Tyreek Diggs, Ridley at all, but I think he deserves to be at the top of the next group. Yeah, I would agree. That's what I was going to say, the next group. Because he just had 14 points per game, which was his highest since 2017, which was 14.6. And it's essentially, I think the 2015 season, you would say where he had 16, it was eight games, missed most of the season. So i say 14, and that puts him not even as a wide receiver. Well, yeah, just inside wide receiver one on points per game. But that's that's again that's the next group that's the Allen Robinson group and that's why I threw Chris right. Godwin's name out too I think Chris Godwin would be in the next group right after these guys so it's almost kind of like Adams a bunch of dudes that are in tier two and then some really great names that are in tier three like it's ridiculous yeah. that these guys are already we're already in the third tier essentially I think you want to call it tier two because Adams with all the other guys but there's an insane amount of names in this next group you know, uh, Chris Godwin is going to be an interesting one, and he's someone who we're going to talk about a lot when we do that uh, that uh, free agent so- show, since he is a free agent this offseason. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of people chasing uh, after him, but you-, you think about the season that he had compared with last year, and it feels like a little bit of a letdown. He did deal with some injuries and obviously didn't quite play to the bottom line statistical production heights that he did in 2019. But we're still talking about a guy who gave you 13.2 half PPR points per game that was tied with Allen Robinson for 15th. It was just behind Mike Evans and Julio Jones. I mean, it's easy to look at the 2020 season and just think disappointment with Chris Godwin, but the dude was still pretty damn good whenever he was out there. And whether he is back in Tampa, he's going to be in a good situation, or he could go somewhere else and be the team's obvious wide receiver one in another good situation. I'm speculating as to where he is going to get drafted. I feel comfortable assuming he is going to be a little bit at least of a bargain next year. I do too. Uh, I actually think he has a better chance. Well, better, obviously, because I said Al Robinson's not leaving. But I could see where the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, and I say and Tom Brady, make the decision to bring back Antonio Brown and not Chris Godwin. Right, right. I could too. I definitely could. And so it'll be very interesting. He's going to be one of the the uh, funnest guys, I think, to watch uh, this offseason. Want to give you one more wide receiver question. We'll talk a touch about tight ends. But what are we doing with the Pittsburgh wide receivers? All those guys, outside of a trade, all those guys are going to be there next year. We don't obviously know exactly what the situation is going to be with Ben Roethlisberger. I think we should assume he's going to be playing. But Juju, Deontay Johnson, 
Chase Claypool, they're all going to be there next year. If they're going to have a new running back, James Conner almost certainly going to be playing his football elsewhere. I mean, what are we going to do with those three guys come draft time? You know what I found very interesting, Jake, and sorry to ramble here, but this just popped into my mind also. This is obviously not a points per game. This is a total point, a half PPR. You had Chase Claypool, 18th. Juju Smith-Schuster, 19th. Deontay Johnson, 21st. I mean, is it going to be that sort of jumble again for these guys next year? Mm, so the, the, the Ben Roethlisberger coming back looks a little bit more likely with the coaching mm-hmm. situation because they just promoted the quarterback's coach. So it's not as big of a change as people are going to assume. You know my opinion because we already talked about him during the the uh, rank or not the rank show, the award show. And I said he was the most underrated. It's Deontay Johnson. And if we go back to it, the healthy games. And I know, look, people are going to be scared. He's gonna, Can he stay healthy? He really hasn't to this point. But his healthy games. 15 points per game that puts him as the wide receiver five overall period done overall in points per game so you give me 15 points per game of what I know Deontay can do and that's with drops that's with the concerns there if they like that I'm taking Deontay Johnson I'm taking Deontay Johnson in the group with the Chris Godwin Allen Robinson's all those and so Mm -hmm. I think I will own an enormous percentage of Deontay Johnson <laughs> next year. But I would take Chase Claypool over Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster is back. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he is, but I don't think he is. Yeah. Um, someone who I know you're not going to have much of next year is Travis Kelsey. I know the spiel, but uh, <laughs> for people who maybe haven't heard it, why are you going to be 100% off Travis Kelsey, who is almost certainly going to be a what, top 10 pick next year? I would say top 10. Uh, it comes down to 2019. That's really all it is. What did what did Travis Kelsey do in 2019? 97 receptions, 1,229 yards, five touchdowns. Holy crap. That's amazing. That's right. Yeah. That's amazing. 13 points per game. That's really what it is. He did 17.3 this year, which broke his record of 15.3 in 2018, which 15.3 was on 1,336 yards and 10 touchdowns. 15.3 would put him as wide receiver five. 17.3 puts him at what? Wide receiver three? I think off the top of my head, I got to go back and look. Yeah, why was he three? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So you, what it comes down to is, what does thirteen put him at? Thirteen doesn't put him inside the top five. Thirteen put. Yeah, the group of guys we were just talking about: Godwin, Allen Robinson, like wide receiver fifteen, sixteen. Right, and the reason I say that is because if you draft him in the first round, this is the this is the short version of the spiel. (laughs) This is the too long didn't read. He (laughs) has to do that. Now, if he does. Yeah, it's fine. The pick worked. It was a great move because you got a wide receiver one in the first round, and if you put him at a un like a open position, he deserves to be taken there. If he doesn't, and he has a great season, but it's the 2019 great season, the drop off of what you give up at wide receiver or running back is just so detrimental to the rest of your team. You could still overcome it, but it's the same argument people make for Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson in the second round. Did Lamar Jackson work for you this year if you took him in the second round? No. And he still had a good season. It just wasn't worth the second round. So I love Kelsey. I'm not going to say you're crazy to take him. If you're going to take him, you have my blessing. I'm just never going to do it. Is there anyone? Are there any of the prime players you would look at at ADP? We know George Kittle's going to be probably a top 30 pick next season. Darren Waller maybe played his way into that group as well. Is there anyone who you think is worth grabbing at the tight end position at what we expect their ADP? If they, are there any of, are any of the premium tight ends <laughs> worth taking at ADP, or is it just going to be another year where it's, yeah, I'll take TJ Hawkinson where I get him. Yeah, I'll take uh, Mike Kosicki where I get him. Sure, Robert Tunyon, I'll take him where <laughs> I get him. Kyle Pitts, you know, he's going to be uh, an interesting rookie. I'll I took, take him wherever I, took I get him. I Pitts in that mock draft. I know, <laughs> I know. So is it that again, or, or is there an argument to be made for – I guess it's really Waller or Kittle spending a top 30 pick on one of those guys. I could say Kittle, but that's going to be depending on their quarterback situation. If it's Garoppolo mm-hmm. again, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I mean, look at Kittle, even before he got hurt with Garoppolo, and you know, I know Garoppolo got hurt too, but even before that, 7.3, 33, 6.4, 20.4, 8, 4.9. Like, that's the Darren Waller. So if he fell to Darren Waller, sure, but that's not. So Kittle's situation is up in the air, but I think Kittle is – on Kelsey's heels and pure talent and ability and upside, even in fantasy. Uh, but I would put right now, as of today, not knowing what's going on, Waller and Kittle are in the same conversation. So Kittle probably wouldn't end up on my team. So not inside the top 30. That could change. He would be the only one after that. I think you have a lot of guys where it's, it's the same thing we just did. It's the same thing we just did two years ago. 
avoid that second group. Like, don't mm-hmm. get into the second group of. Well, I can't even remember who the guys were this year. Noah Fant was in that group, and Mark Mark, and, Mark Andrews. Uh, Mark Andrews. I guess he was a little ahead of that group. Yeah, and Mark Andrews had some injury issues this year, mm-hmm. and so I, I'm willing to put Mark Andrews would be in the Waller conversation. But I was trying to think of this preseason. It was uh, Fant, Gasicki. Who else? Dallas Goddard, Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst. Yeah, Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst. That's a really good Hunter one. Henry. Like, just avoid that group. Either you're yeah. going after that top tier, or skip that next group and drop down to the next one. Which that's where Fant might be next year. That's where yeah. Hunter Henry might be next year. And so you get some of those guys. Heck, you know, I'm trying to think, Dallas Goddard could be in that group again. Yeah, with now sure. no Zach Ertz. So that's where you make your value at tight end. Wouldn't it be fun to see Deshaun Watson go to San Francisco? <laughs> now, now I will take George Kittle inside the top thirty. Yeah, now that would be that would be fun, and that's actually one of the uh, spots that our uh, NFL, uh, one of our NFL national writers, Mike Sando, has uh, theorized about Deshaun Watson going to in uh, a great column he wrote on the Athletic earlier this week. You can uh, check that out. Check out Jake's uh, way too early twenty twenty one rankings when they come out next week. Uh, all that good stuff. If you are a subscriber to the Athletic, if you are not a subscriber and want to get in on that, the Athletic dot com slash fantasy football pod will get you in the door for just three ninety nine a month. Jake and I we're getting out of the door on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Be back with you later this week. That'll be me and Vic Tafer taking a deeper look at the championship week lines. Me, Jake, and yes, returned from vacation, Brandon Funston. No more oops situations. He'll be back with us next week when we take a look at Jake's way too early twenty. 21 rankings until then thanks so much for listening have a great day we'll talk to you soon